Your Steve Jones Show podcast is loading now. The Steve Jones Show podcast is sponsored by Purdy Insurance. Visit Purdy Insurance on Market Street in Sunbury or visit online at purdyinsurance.com. Sports talk where your voice counts. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones. Today's show is brought to you by Purdy Insurance. Market Street and Sunbury. Go to purdyinsurance.com. Auto, home, life, business, motorcycle, boat, whatever your insurance needs may be, they'll do everything they can to save you money while making sure that you are completely insured. And they'll update those policies. They're the pros, pros at insurance. It is Purdy Insurance. Market Street and Sunbury. Go to purdyinsurance.com. And we're in the Sunbury Motors studio, Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Key Roots 11 and 15, Hummels Wharf online at sunburymotors.com. Brad Nessler in a moment. But first, our play-by-play call of the day. Racing, pull up, three, no good, rebound, Carolina. And the fairy tale ride for the Tar Heels continues. And Coach K's legendary career has come to a close. Jim Nance with a call on TBS on uh, Saturday night in what was a great basketball game, and we're very pleased to be joined by Brad Nessler. Uh, Brad, first of all, I hope you've had a good chance to at least relax after everything that you've done the last few months. (laughs) Yeah, I have, Steve. It was kind of fun to sit back and, and uh, watch Raph and Grant and Jim and Tracy, you know, do the games over the weekend. Uh, awesome game, that one in particular, North Carolina Duke. And, uh, you know, it would have been a fairy tale if, you know, Mike would have gone out with another championship. And I, I think, you know, people that even either loved him or you hated him, but over 42 years you had to respect the legacy of what a great coach he was and so I I was a little bit choked up when the game was over and I had no reason to be I I care who won you know but um, it's just one of those things when you've been around a guy for over four decades and done a lot of the North Carolina Duke games and uh, just to see that last one not quite come out the way the Dukies were hoping for but for Carolina got to give them credit man I had them two months three months ago and I said to Bill Raftery when the game was over I said they're going to really have to find dig deep and find something or they're not even going to make the tournament right (laughs) and here they are you know the championship game so got to give hubert a lot of credit they've made a lot of progress man since i had them back in december in fact that's something i mentioned at the beginning of the show on the morning of february 17th they had lost by 20 at duke on the 5th they had just lost to Pitt, and you and I know that Pitt's not really, it's not the golden era of Pitt basketball at the moment. Right. They they had one quad, one win. On February 17th, Brad, they probably weren't in the tournament, let alone in the bubble. That's how remarkable this has been. Yeah, it, it's unbelievable because, um, you know, Kentucky just tore them apart in the game I had. And, and that, you know, I don't look at December games and really take much credence in what happens then because a lot of teams haven't developed. But they were really not good at all. And then uh, Josh Patzner down here, the Georgia Tech coach, came out about late February when everybody was questioning whether the ACC was any good or it was a down year. You know, Duke was 
right around in there was like the only team ranked. You know, they were in the top ten, and there was nobody else in sight. And uh, he said at the time the Atlanta Journal-Constitution did a question and answer with him or something, and he said, down year for the ACC, huh? He goes, hmm. He said, man, I think Duke's really good. And then he said, and I think North Carolina's really good, and it wouldn't shock me if they both ended up in the Final Four. And I read that article, and I was like, Josh, what is wrong with you, dude? And uh, <laughs> it's per- pretty prophetic. I think he knows a little more about basketball than I do. But anyway, I looked back on that, and I, I kind of chuckled, and I was going to text him today and say, hey, dude, you were you were right on it, you know? So um, just amazing. I don't know how teams – it takes a while to gel, and I get it. And with the transfer portal and all that stuff, um, you know, I don't think they knew what they had in Brady Manick yet. Um you know, he comes over from Oklahoma and, you know, got the the beard and the hair that looks like he's a lumberjack or whatever and started watching <laughs> him. I don't I don't even know he played that much. He must have played in that game that I had. But, uh, you know, all of a sudden he's draining three-pointers all over the place. And, and, and you know, it's just – it's amazing. Uh, the Baylor game was unbelievable. The Duke game to get them where they are was unbelievable. Really good hoops. But, you know, Steve, what's weird, you and I talked about this before – this was the year everybody was convinced that it was going to be some outlier team, you know, that comes out of nowhere. And, yet, yeah, we had St. Peter's, and, and Miami went farther than we expected and, and all of that. But we get down to the nitty-gritty, and we got two of the three winningest programs in college basketball history. So <laughs> there you go. Yeah. We're right back where we started, right? Well, well, but then the other two were Villanova, which is one, two – recently yeah. and duke it was as about as blue blood as blue blood blood it gets with the exception of not maybe having kentucky around <laughs> yeah, exactly and you know the kansas the kansas villanova winner in the last like five years whoever won that game has won the title be it villanova or kansas or you know the, the last few times they met at least in in the final four and it's been what 14 years i guess since bill won the last one but uh, yeah, we're right back to having blue blood, and and it's it's great. I mean, it's uh, it would have been fun, I guess, if if St. Peter's would have you know, gone all the way. I, I think people would have loved that story, and that's great. But um, it, it's kind of like in the NFL or college football or whatever, the teams that you expect to be good, when they're good, it's fun to watch them, and these two are good. You know, it's interesting in what we get to do. We get to talk to a lot of people, which means in turn one of the important parts of what we we do is listening to people. In listening to Mike Krzyzewski over the years, what did you take from him that gave you a perspective not just on college basketball but gave you a perspective on sports just listening to him? Uh, you know, when you're around guys like that, um, it's kind of like – well, you and I have been around this guy, God rest his soul. But when I was around Joe Pa, yep. I don't know where I don't know if we ever talked football more than five minutes, you know. We talked about everything else. I don't know if it was care was politics or uh family life or kids or grandkids. Uh and when I was around Bobby Bowden, I did the same thing. I talked football for five minutes and I talked about everything else for a long time. And that's kind of the way it was with Mike, I think, you know, with me. Um we talked basketball for a while and then just just hearing him and listening to him and his philosophy on on coaching on being a father figure uh you know that what the kids meant to him all the guys that he coached um you know even as crazy as bob knight was i, I would do the same thing with him like you know we'd sit around and yeah. talk about fishing fishing and hunting and 
all kinds of stuff. And he drove me out of practice on purpose, which was always fun. He always told me it was coming. He said, watch this, you know, and he'd go out and he'd chew his team out. And then he'd say, Nestler, get your ass out of my practice. And it, it, kind, of became, it kind of became this cool routine, you know, because he'd say, uh, just hang in there and, and don't worry about what I'm about to say to you. And I'm like, okay, I got it. And yeah. so, I mean, all those guys to be around legendary coaches is just, you know, something that I, we sometimes take for granted. And then we look back, you know, in the back half of our broadcast careers and go, geez, we got to sit down with these guys all the time and talk about things that wasn't sports related. And how cool is that? So I think that would probably be me with Mike. I mean, 42 yeah. years ago, we sat down on a uh, folding table down at old Alexander Memorial Coliseum uh, when it was one of the worst basketball facilities in the world. And <laughs> yes, his, his, Duke team, his Duke team was in there to practice. And Georgia Tech was a horrible team. And Duke wasn't very good either at that time because, you know, first three years, they're about ready to run Mike out of uh, Durham, you know. But uh, Georgia Tech was awful because Bobby Cremins hadn't showed up yet. So we yeah. sat down there and we're at a shoot-around. And I said, I said, Mike, I got to ask you a question. I'm kind of new at this. I'm, I'm, I'm the, on the Georgia Tech radio broadcast. I just literally moved here, um, and I just want to ask you one question. He said, anything. And I said, just pronounce your last name for me, would you please? <laughs> and uh, I said, when he, when he told me, I said, all right, Mike, I promise. I'll never forget how to pronounce it, but I know I'll never be able to spell it. So <laughs> we we always had we always had that funny conversation going every time we saw each other for forty two years. You know, kind of weird. That's that. But you know what? But it's interesting you say that because when I talked to Mike, we talked about leadership. The number and you talked with Joe. I mean, the the thousands of times I talked to Joe, literally. Yeah. So it's always about other things besides. Everybody thought, okay, so. When you blitz on third down, that doesn't come up. I mean, yeah. it's it's you're, you're, you end up talking to them as people, but you learn because they're in a leadership position what it means to do what they do in a wide variety of areas. Right. You know? And then, and, and, and you know better than anybody that the memory that Joe had was just phenomenal. And right. we were in Chicago for, I, I think, when the Big Ten Network first started or something, we were up there for some reason. And uh, it's the first time he met my wife. And so uh, he met Nancy, and she was talking to him about all kinds of different things. And everybody else just backed away from him, all the coaches, the athletic directors. Everybody just stayed clear. And, and it was like, well, just leave Nestler's wife alone because Joe Pa is talking with her about something. And every time after that, when I would see him, the first thing he would say was, Hey, Nestler, how's Nancy? I don't care about you, but how's your wife? God, she's exactly. a beautiful redhead. I love that girl. You know, so, I mean, it's just, just fun to look back on stuff like that. Yeah, I don't care about you. I, mean, no, I, I always love that one. Doing. I don't care about you. How's Nancy doing? How's Kathy doing? <laughs> uh, it's like, okay, great. <laughs> uh, the, the game tonight, obviously, Kansas plays North Carolina. As you mentioned, two of the three winningest programs ever. Just a couple of things you might be looking for tonight. Um, I hope that neither one of the big guys get in foul trouble. That would, I think, that would yeah. change the course of the game immensely. Um, Armando Baycott has just been—he's been unbelievable rebounding, and and he's getting better on offense. He's even getting better as a free throw shooter, and he's really become a force. And I don't know. You know, could have been last year. But I just look at it and I think you know, we haven't had two legitimate seven-foot guys that are kind of old-school centers 
you know, playing in a championship game. We've had so many, you know, uh, you know, four out and one in, and you know, a bunch of six, seven guys that are long and all that kind of stuff. And um, you know, Timmy was I don't know six ten or six eleven for Gonzaga, but not he's not a center center. These guys are centers, so it's going to be yeah. kind of fun to watch those guys banging. And I hope neither one of them gets in foul trouble because McCormick's become an offensive force that he really wasn't during the course of the season. And I think Baycott's come as far as anybody. And then, um, boy, you know, Baji's got to kind of take over, I think, if, if Kansas is yeah. going to win. I just – he doesn't call his own number enough. He's almost too selfish yeah. all of that. Um, and, you know, when he – I mean, he's a first-team All-American. He should score 25. And that's what Caleb Love's been doing. And and like I already mentioned, Brady Manick hitting three-pointers, R.J. Davis. I think I think Carolina's got one more guy. I, I don't know why I think that. I just think they got one more guy at one position, wherever it may be, because everybody kind of swings around and plays, you know, small forward or big guard or whatever. And then there's the two big guys. And if they don't get in foul trouble, I think it's going to be an awesome game. But I don't know. Those are just – that's a whole bunch of nothing, I guess. But it's <laughs> some really good, really good guys that have to take over for for the game to make a difference. And I could see Manic having thirty points. You know, if they yeah. don't find out where the redhead is, he might be the difference. But yeah. I just hope the two seven footers. Um, I, I want to see one guy get two fouls in the first six minutes of the game. It's going to screw everything up. Right, exactly. And by the way, a whole bunch of nothing. You just described the theme of the show. All right, so. (laughs) (laughs) Well, whatever. Uh, I don't know that much, but I'm just watching now, you know, this is. This is fun tonight. I mean, this is gravy just watching these guys. That's all I'm doing is putting my feet up and watching and just relaxing and enjoying it. So there there are enough other days where i got to be fully invested. So, No (laughs) doubt. Absolutely. (laughs) Hey. It's great I wish, to I wish talk I didn't to you. Have, I, I wish I didn't have the rule that I don't drink on Mondays, you know, because I'd have about <laughs> six years when I watch this game. But I, I, I don't drink on Mondays, so I'm just going to have to sit back with a Diet Coke and enjoy. Okay. Uh, I'm trying to think, though. It, I think it's it, by the time the game tips off, it'll be Monday in London. All right, so. <laughs> <laughs> maybe maybe in the post game. About time Tracy's talking to the winning coach. I'll That's practice. right. That sounds good. <laughs> Brad, always great. Thanks so much for your time. Always appreciate you, my friend. All right, buddy. Let's enjoy it tonight, Steve. I'll talk to you soon, man. Thanks, Brad. Brad Nessler, best in the business from CBS. (laughs) I tell you, I want to have a beer. I want to have a couple cold ones with Brad. I do. Oh, he's great, then. um, Yes, we have. Okay. Along the way. How about that? Yeah. And uh, <laughs> then he starts getting to, then he starts to get going on the suit stories. I was like, okay. Right. It's, no, senor! No, senor! <laughs> no, senor! Yeah. No. Not. You don't think his name comes up? I have no doubt. <laughs> Just kidding. But, uh, He's out. He's outstanding, you know. And he, he see, and he has the right attitude for the business, you know. See, I don't want to bother people, you know. I'd love to have him talk to my class just for twenty minutes, thirty minutes, you know, so they get a great perspective on at the top level how you can be, um, 
great like he is, but just be down to earth like he is. It's important for them to know, but I don't want to bother him to do that. You know, that's that's what it comes down to because he's, he's he's got a limited enough time with Nancy to begin with because of his schedule. So what the heck, you know? But uh, why don't you kick back and put your feet up tonight and just enjoy it like we're going to tonight? That's what notice I plan our, to do. Notice our respect. No, you all you've done is complain about what time the game tips <laughs> off and it's a problem and it's an issue. Uh, I'm still going to do know, that. Like, I just got to make sure I don't fall asleep. That's the that's my yeah. problem. You're going to fall asleep during a championship game? <laughs> to be honest, I was on the struggle bus watching Duke in, the end of Duke and UNC. As much as I hate to admit it, oh, that was that was a, that took every fiber of my being to make sure I made it through the end of the game. But I'll be doing the same tonight. My goodness, one of the ten saddest statements I've ever heard. <laughs> I, wow. It was. Like, I mean, I enjoyed it. It was a great game. I just, I went straight to bed after the game was over. <laughs> and I watched yeah. Coach K go off the floor the last time. I didn't want to see that. By the way, great article by Dana O'Neill, Penn State grad, uh, in The Athletic about counting the last 358 steps from the court to the locker room of Mike Krzyzewski. Yeah. It's really... See, that's, that's, it's a different angle. It's, it's great. It's, it's great writing. So, but I'm in the middle of reading Dana's book about the Big East right now, as a matter of fact, which has so far been a fascinating, fascinating read. I've always felt that it was important for young sportscasters to know history. Um, it gives you perspective and an understanding. And so I encourage them to read as many books as possible. Uh, don't just rely on, you know, with all due respect, don't just rely on Wikipedia. I mean, and I say that with all due respect. Not that Wikipedia is bad or anything, but you, know, you can learn a lot more. They are maybe from an era of something you did not know about by reading a good book about it by somebody who's taken the time to research it and interview people and and get their perspective into something. I think history helps of something helps lay the foundation for what you're currently watching. Dave Revson wrote a book about the beginnings of college football, and we've talked to Dave about it on the show. And you know what you found out found out in Dave's book, which is a great book, by the way, great book. There's not a lot that different from the late 1800s to now, in terms of attitudes, how it's approached, thought process. Yeah, it's interesting when you read it, like going, "Wow, there really isn't a lot different." And you know what else would not have been different? I can see now Princeton playing. Okay, Yale in football. Matt rooting hard for Princeton and losing to Yale and just going over to um, the five and dime and picking up some medication because it didn't go well. No good! No good! No good! See, five and dime. We'll come back with more in a moment here on News Radio 1070 WKOK. 
In an ever-changing world, one thing you can always count on is the service at Purdy Insurance. Hi, this is Season. While the world is constantly changing, Purdy Insurance is dedicated to providing you with the highest level of service to protect you, your family, and your business. Give us a call today at 570-286-5855. Go to our website at purdyinsurance.com or check us out on Facebook to see what Purdy Insurance can do for you. Some interesting emails. This one's, the, the, I got three of them here from Lisa C. Who is that? She seems to have a lot of questions. <laughs> that sounds familiar. No, I mean, these are really good questions. Like, wow. Oh, well. <laughs> I don't know if I can read these on the air. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Taking your calls at 800-795-9565. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones. Today's show brought to you by Purdy Insurance, Market Street in Sunbury. Go to purdyinsurance.com. Auto, home, life, business, boat, motorcycle, whatever it may be. They'll take care of your insurance needs. They'll take care of your policies. They'll save you money. Just fabulous. Best in the business. Purdy Insurance. Market Street in Sunbury. Go to purdyinsurance.com. And we're in the Sunbury Motors studio. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Kia Routes 11 and 15, Hummels Wharf. Online at sunburymotors.com. And just one quick note before we get to Reginald Walker. Um, I, it, it's interesting when you talk. And, and look, a lot of people want to be in your shoes, and I get it. When you have an opportunity to talk, you know, like, all the number of times I talked to Joe in my lifetime or to anybody else. And believe me, you, um, first of all, you know you're fortunate you get to do it. But at the same time, after a while, you settle in and it's just people talking. Right? There's a lot to learn from him. There was a lot to learn from him about leadership and about how he went about his business. But also a lot of stuff was personal. Well, talking about this, that, whatever, you know, talking about politics. Oh, right. A couple debates here and there. I remember he and I debating one time. This is when Tim Russell was still alive. You know, we were debating about, you know, the the best host on TV. And he and I were in his office, and I, you know, and he says, no, nah, this guy's the best. He says, no, well, no, I like this guy because, yeah. You know, that's the way it gets sometimes. All right. Yeah. Um, and you know, do you have those? It's not always like so. On third down, you know, how well do you think you scraped on that blitz? That didn't really come up that much. <laughs> okay, it was other things that came up. 
Yeah, how's Sue doing? How about the kids? Hey, how Kathy's doing? How are the kids doing? Tell me, how's Jennifer? You know, that's the way, you know, it's, it's, you just have those kind of conversations after a while. And Brad's right. That's what ends up happening. You know, now almost everybody, there's always one universal conversation that comes up, and you know which one that is. S-U-I-T, that spells Suda! And you just sit back and go, all right. Because we, what we did was we put a tracker on him so we know where he is. Seems to relax everybody. All right. <laughs> you doing okay over there? You know, I mean, it's, the game's late tonight. I just want to make sure you're able to. Are you, do you think you can make it through the pregame show? Oh, yeah, that'll, that won't be a problem. I'll, I'll be good through halftime. Then I've, second I've half, had, we'll start to maybe have to be on the struggle bus a little bit, depending I've on had peop- what time it is. I've had people tell me that the pregame show, they were like, oh, Kenny Smith was a, you know, because obviously he's a Kentucky, you know, I mean, a North Carolina guy, play, you know, great point guard at North Carolina. Do you know how much of the pregame show I watched? Uh, that would be Zebola. Yeah, that's right. None. I didn't watch a second of it. So, I, like, see, that stuff doesn't bother me. Now, I didn't get back, I had to be at an event. Uh, Tom Verducci was named the uh, Distinguished Alumnus of the Belisario College and the College of Communications at Penn State. So I, I just, you know, I was there for that, and there were some others that were honored as well. So I was there, so I didn't get back until uh, halftime of the Villanova-Kansas game. So I listened to some of the first half, and I was stopping to get food. But, yeah. So pregame show, didn't watch. Pregame show tonight, no. Sorry. You know me. It's just not my bag. I don't really. Although I find Charles Barkley to be incredibly entertaining. I really do. You know how they have these Apple watches now? My kids got me an Apple watch. Oh, okay. Yeah. So I get this message. Connect with yourself as your day comes to an end. Delete. <laughs> Don't you do that already? No. I just sit there and think, come on. <laughs> Please, what the heck is connect with yourself? What the heck? <laughs> I got stuff to do. I'm going to football practice when we're done. Okay? I got stuff I got to get done. By the way, Ben Simmons will miss the regular season and the play-in tournament. Your guy. Ben Simmons. Oh, my almighty! This is my surprise face. All right. Well, let's bring in Reginald Walker. Sir, welcome. Great to have you with us. Thanks for having me. Looking forward to it. Always uh, fun to uh, discuss what is happening uh, in Happy Valley. Yes. That's, I want to ask you about the draft for a moment, um, which is which is interesting. Uh, you, everyone talks about the quarterbacks. Malik Willis is now the, quote, the hot item out there. When you look at a draft, how difficult is it to evaluate somebody when the level of competition, or even the level of the guys they play with, isn't quite the same as that guy's? Yeah, it it is difficult. And what you have to do is you start to have to look at more intangible things, right? You're looking less about how fast is the receiver he's throwing to, as opposed to where's the placement of the football, right? You're looking more at 
the anticipation of a throw as opposed to whether or not it's caught, right? Where, right. Where's the spot to put the ball? Um, you're looking at timing, when to release it. You're looking at uh, little things. Like I, I, one of the things I used to always talk about, especially, and, and this is a perfect timing to talk about it, kind of taking it back to the college premise for a second. When you get essentially a new quarterback is coming in to, to sort of take the reins in college, what do you want to see from them in spring practice? Let's just say you got a new offensive coordinator. Right. Can they get in the huddle and out of the huddle and re- regurgitate right the information? Can you call the play in the new language? Mm-hmm. That's what you need. That's what you're looking for uh, with some guys as they transition from college to the NFL. Can they come in the NFL and spit the words back out? And that's where you see a lot of uh, – there, there have been more and more uh, over the last couple of years – college guys or, or young quarterbacks in the NFL that use the wristband because yeah. it's easier for them to read the words as right. opposed to try to remember what a play call sounds like. Right. No, well, exactly. And that's, and you, and that's one of the, the key elements is you have to be able to ha- – it's not what you know, it's what they know. That's, that's why. Right. That's why, to me, for Drew Aller and Bo Prabula – this is critical for them to understand language, understand speed of the game. You know, even something as simple as taking a snap under center, which neither one of them had to do when they were in high school. There's just a, there's a lot they have to learn. Spring's invaluable for those two right now. Absolutely, and if, actually, if memory serves, and, and and you you and I have had this conversation before, and it's a, a sort of a a frustration I've had with. Uh, our program for a little bit is right the victory formation and it's still a shotgun snap because I believe Trace McSorley never took a snap in high school um, and he got to Penn State and, and he and he never got under center either right, right? and, and so it was the same thing right. and it was it's always been frustrating me I'm an old school guy admittedly um, and to me victory formation you get up under center you take that knee um, so that's always looked sort of weird to me in that formation. Mm-hmm. But you're absolutely right. That that is a, that's the adjustment part, right? Can I get under center and take a snap? Is my footwork where it needs to be to make this handoff? Because in high school, sometimes you can get away with things, right? Because you're a better athlete. Um, where's the ball placement on a handoff to make sure that the 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 running back gets the ball the right way? Yep. Um, you know, those types of things seem minuscule outside of the game. But when you're talking about a sport. That everything is, is is really, if you dissect it, comes down to the millisecond. Mm-hmm. Anything that's off can cost you, right. and that's the thing that young quarterbacks, young players, particularly young quarterbacks, have to get down to an instinctive, natural thing as soon as possible if they want to have success. The secure ones, the secure players, are the ones that will mentor younger players along the way. How important is that mentoring part? Because it always can't just come from the coaches, Reginald. It's impossible if you want it to all come from the coaches to have success. You have to have players that set the tone from a uh, culture standpoint um, and that understand that they want to leave it better than they got it, right? And so when when you're around that locker room, you have to have guys that show you how to watch tape of yourself, right? That's the biggest thing. Some guys don't know how to watch tape of themselves. They don't want to watch film of all these other different people. Do they know how to watch tape of themselves? And sometimes those older guys can help you do that. I remember being at Penn State and and being in in, uh, in the defensive back or in the corners room, right, mm-hmm. with, with, with Scrap. Yep. And I remember one time, I, I don't know how I ended up doing this, but I caught myself 
sitting next to Brian Scott mm-hmm. with Bruce Brents on the other side of me, kind of yeah. to, like behind me. Yep. And at one point, like my head kind of turned like towards the side of the room. And I've never been hit that quickly in the side of my head by a teammate that fast. And it was pay attention, Rook, right? And, yep. and the, it was because it was about, listen, what happens if something happens to one of us? Or somebody, I was further down the line than right behind those guys, honestly. Sure. But what happens if something happens to me and then the next guy, and you got to go in the game? You better know what's going on. And so those guys were really good at helping guys understand what they were looking at, what they were seeing. And then it would happen in practice. Uh, another guy that was really helpful to me, even though he played safety, was Yaakov Israel. Yeah. His knowledge and Smart understanding guy. of what to do, it was unbelievable. And then when I moved over to running back, I remember Larry talking to me all the time about certain little things um, and, and then, uh, you know, just different guys trying to help out. Sean McHugh was another good one. He was a fullback, mm-hmm. uh, but he yeah. still understood, hey, man, this is what this call means. Remember this, those types of things. And it's, it's important to have those kinds of guys on the roster that not only make plays on the field, but they make plays when they're not on the field because they help the next guy understand how to make a play. See, a guy like that, I've watched do this over and over, he's been Tariq Castro Fields. Over mm-hmm. and over, pulling young guys aside. And again, the ability. Look, Brian Scott, about as intelligent as you're going to find. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bruce Branch, smart. Right? I mean, all the guys you're talking about are smart guys that care. Mm-hmm. Right? And so, and that's what you need. Now, it also helped that that. Bruce and Brian, for example, were secure in what they were doing. They weren't handed anything, but they mm-hmm. also knew they were in the best spot, and they could look at you and say, hey, look, when I leave, you're going to have to play. Right. And, like, there was a game when Penn State played Michigan. It was James's... Uh, it was 2016. Penn State's down to its fifth team middle linebacker. Yep. You're like, sitting there, they going, we're, uh, we're down to five? Really? Yep. Because there were injuries... Yep. Guy, you know, Brandon Smith inexplicably got thrown out for targeting. You know, I remember that. It's like you sit there and go, "Okay, can you watch the replay? Right? Is it okay? Hit him in the shoulder? Okay, I got it. But that's okay. It's a different story, different day. But see, that's what happens. You don't know when you're. Like, one day I remember way back against uh, Wisconsin uh, when Zach Mills and Michael Robinson both got hurt. Chris Ganner had to play. Chris Ganner had to play, and I think if memory serves. Didn't Larry take a shot in that game, or 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 a hamstring? Something happened because Mike Gasparato had to play a lot of snaps in that game. He had to play a lot of snaps in that game, and then it was a game at Michigan one year that that Michael Robinson started at tailback, and Larry finally came in later and played. Right, I mean, you just don't know. I mean, that's you don't know. and that you always quote that play away from doing it. How valuable was the spring in your opinion in your in your livelihood? I think for a college player, if you waste spring football, you might as well be wasting your time as a college football player, period. It is so vital because you can get a lot of sort of live speed reps. Uh, Some of it's manufactured, but they put you in situations. I, I remember plenty of times to where we would get something called during spring practice in a team period, and then the formation that the offense gave us would be something we've never seen on film before. Mm-hmm. Yep. And you're like, what do I do? You have to think back through everything you've been taught and process the information and at least do something that you think makes sense. 
right? And then, of course, in that conversation, if you, if you didn't do right, they're asking you, what did you saw? What is the logic behind what you did? That's a moment where they can teach you where it's not going to cost you a 75-yard touchdown. Right. right. And so that, that to me is why it's so important not to waste spring. The other reason why you don't waste spring is because oftentimes I think the reason why it's such an important aspect is if you're a, let's just say you're a you know, second team guy, you're oftentimes getting reps against another second team guy. So you're getting like level reps to really show, have you taken a step past mm-hmm. where you were presumed to be right um, as opposed to where you where you actually are, and so to me, you have to use that. You have to be effective. You have to take every single rep in the spring seriously because the other thing they're looking for is opportunities to find snaps for players. But the only you you can't play that game in the middle of the Big Ten schedule as a coach. You have to figure that out in March and April and then see it again in July, early August, and then you can put that player in games in those situations. Well, let me ask you then, how, how, once you're done with spring practice, how, how important was, quote, that off season when nobody's around except you and the other players or you're just the strength set to then set up your preseason camp? I think it's huge. Um, just staying in shape and getting smarter, right? I, what I would always do um, was to me that that summer obviously you know if you're not on campus and and I usually went home at least the first semester first session right and then came back and 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 I was lucky in that uh, for a couple of those summers I, you know just so happened that near my home in Virginia and when I say near my home I mean not even a three mile drive <laughs> former Penn State fullback Jason Slode was actually. Oh training at a gym slowed and so he was able to train me in the off season so i was getting exactly what our staff expected from guys right the whole thing mm-hmm. physically and then i was able to bury myself mentally in that playbook particularly the year i was moving the running back i was able to bury my brain in that playbook yeah because i knew i was getting the right workouts in the morning and then I could go get my own just long run cardio in the evening. But I could lock into that playbook and really make sure I understood every terminology, every word in there, all the adjustments. Because when it came time, if I needed to, you know, once we got to fall camp, I needed to be able to hear that on the fly. You get a day of install, and then you got to execute it later that day. And then the next day they're installing something else, and you got to execute it later that day. And that's how fast it comes at you. And if you're not prepared to hear the words, that's going to let them know you're not doing your own personal preparation. Jason Slow, number 15, fullback. Mm-hmm. All right. That's right. You go through drills in practice. Now, this, these aren't team periods, drills. How long did it take you as a player to understand that if you apply the drill to the team period, it really paid off? Because they'll be like, oh, yeah, I got to do this over and over and over again. It's like, no, you got to apply it to the team period. How long did it take you? Yeah, the sad part about that, Steve, it's funny you mentioned that because now I'm actually thinking thoroughly through that. I didn't figure it out. Figure it out. Remember, I, I got to Penn State yeah. in you know, August 2000, but I didn't figure that right. out until, to be honest with you, the end of spring practice in spring of 01. Yeah. And then I had my own issues, and and so I, 
the old one season, I sat out. Yeah. So by the time I figured it out, I forgot it all. Yeah. Or I had wasted it. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, you, then you learn. And, and, and people ask me all the time, you know, is there anything I would change, you know, about my college career? And I'd say, I'd, say, I'd tell them, yeah. I said, I, I've never changed where I went. But there were times to where I enjoyed being a football player more than I enjoyed working to be a better football yeah, player. Yeah, right. That, that, that makes sense. Yeah, at least you didn't say that you, you wanted to change your play-by-play guy. That's, you know. <laughs> uh, no. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just kidding. No. No, he was, he was great. He actually, yeah. he actually even taught me in a couple classes. Oh, yeah. Thank goodness you overcame that. <laughs> I, I learned from a good one, and that's for sure. You're the best, my man. Appreciate you so much. Can't wait to talk to you again soon. Always great insight, because I feel like we're just like taking people inside the mindset, which you do a great job now applying to your broadcast, which is uh, the, the the key part is that do the listeners, are they are they better off after hearing what you had to say that they learn more and see with you they do so I appreciate that very much I appreciate you my man and my goal is always for them to leave smarter than when they sat down and started listening well done sir you've done that again today thank you Reginald be well Reginald Walker well we got some breaking news Mr. Steve Jones the Eagles have agreed to trade picks 16, 19 and 194 to the Saints in exchange for picks 18, 101, 237, a 2023 first-round pick, and a 2024 second-round pick. So in other words, Howie just got a 1, 2, and a 3 from the Saints for them to move up just two spots. Well done, Howie Roseman. Depends on who you pick. But they're still in a good spot. And you st- and then you have two first-round picks again next year. Depends on who you pick. What if you pick Mike Manute? Like Mamula. Fair, but he's now he's finished the fair. deal. Depends on who you pick. But it's a tremendous trade. Oh, I mean, I'm just I'm I can't believe how overjoyed I am. I mean, I'm going to go to practice tonight and just be so happy. <laughs> I am too. I'm going home tonight, happy. Ooh, what a relief for, for Lisa and the kids. <laughs> oh, goody. Daddy's happy. The Eagles traded draft picks. <laughs> so what, what picks do you have now? So the Eagles have 15 and 18 for the first round. You have two, And they have two third-round picks now for this year, 10 total. And then next year they're going to have two first-round picks. And they all, he also and two second round picks next year too. Uh, I'm sorry, in 2024. Yeah, that's that second round pick. They, the other second round pick they got from the Saints was for 2024. So instead of three first round picks, they now have two. Correct, but you get multiple first round picks again next year, and you have two third round picks this year and two second round picks in 2024. Oh my God! They, they, what a trade! Wow. It is. Wow. You better believe that, it. Holy Mac. Wow. Wow. God, I wish I was that smart. <laughs> wow. This is the same guy I picked Jalen Rager? 
I didn't say. I said he has to finish the job now, but he knows how to put it together to get him to that spot. It's the guy who picked Jalen Rager. He picked Carson Wentz. True. Okay, I'm just asking you here. <laughs> Before you get all too happy. <laughs> Interesting. Interesting trait. Depends on who you pick. All right. Back tomorrow. You know, maybe I'll ask Neil Kulong about this, about the uh, the genius of this trade, considering there are no names attached to the picks. No? Go ahead. I'll be curious to what he has to say. Three I have, an, I have an idea of what he would have to say, but... I mean, I, I mean, it does balance the two drafts. I mean, to have two firsts in each, each two years in a row. It does balance the two drafts. Hey, maybe they can draft Malik Willis. Uh, no. Why not? Not feeling it. Defense, receiver, offensive uh, offensive lineman, and or center. Go somewhere on that route. So they're going to pick Malik Willis. <sighs> yeah, I- I- if they do, then... Um, we'll How about def- Desmond Ritter? <laughs> <laughs> then we may be taking multiple trips to the medicine cabinet again. Desmond Ritter. This is your chance. <laughs> Devin Lloyd, baby, let's go. Mm-hmm. When car repairs get difficult, well, I, I just don't know. Um, me neither. We get good. Sunbury Motors. More than quality new and used cars, Sunbury Motors specializes in complicated auto repair diagnosis. They can handle intricate repairs and even complete auto body with service open Monday through Friday, 7 till 4. And Sunbury Motors has made simple repairs easy. Maintaining your vehicle is necessary. Finding the time to do it is difficult. Welcome to Sunbury Motors Quick Lane. Open 7 till 4, Monday through Friday. Just walk in or call ahead. Relax in their remodeled waiting room with Wi-Fi, beverages, and snacks. Will Sunbury Motors factory train techs take care of your oil change, tire alignments, brakes, and inspections. Quick Lane, 6.30 to 6, Monday through Friday, Saturday, 6.30 till 2. Sunbury Motors, Ford and Hyundai, North 4th Street, Sunbury. And Sunbury Motors, Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. We take the... Mm. Mm. Out of auto repair.